Thank you for checking out our podcast here at Eastern Assembly of God Church in Baltimore, Maryland. If you'd like more information about our church, you can find us at www.easternassembly.org. Well, welcome everybody and good morning. Whether you are a regular to Eastern Assembly, whether you have been watching us for some or all of this pandemic, or whether you just stumbled across us today, we are so glad that you are here. Um, I am rocking our Antioch College sweatshirt today as a reminder uh, that we are now connected to Antioch College, and as far as I know, still open for the fall. Um, We had hoped to make a big announcement this morning concerning our grand opening But that is going to have to wait just a little until things change in our county. Please be patient. We believe God is doing things during this time. Keep your eyes on Jesus and God will provide. Amen. Well, today we're going to bring to an end this series on eternity changes everything. And if you are a believer in Jesus, a Jesus follower then you have to put things in an eternal perspective. Why, you ask? Because this earth is not your final destination. Turn to somebody and say, thank God. Because your time on earth is short compared to eternity. And also, there are things you can do while on this earth that have eternal impact. Think about this with me. Sometime in ages past, somebody invented the wheel. Might have looked something like this. Change the world. Where would we be without the wheel? Where would the early civilizations be without some sort of a wheelbarrow? But listen, all the inventions of this world will be left behind. That's not to belittle the impact that they had upon earth and life here and some things prolonging earth but they're only temporal. But there are things that are eternal. Think about it. When you share Jesus with somebody and they open up the door and receive Jesus, they also receive eternal life. It's eternally impacting. That is why the Bible tells us in Colossians chapter 3 that we are to set our minds, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you'll also appear with him in glory. Did you hear that? Set your heart on things above. Today I want to talk to you about two things that that you need to do to set your mind on things above. Two eternity changers. Would you turn to somebody in the room with you and just say, eternity changers? Here is number one. Want to have more of an eternal impact? Well, then praise more. Praise more. Listen, if the only time you praise is when you're tuning into our broadcast on Sunday morning or Wednesday night, uh, you don't understand your call to praise and the power of praise. I want to talk about each of those things one at a time. First of all, the call to praise. Now listen, for those of you who've been around for a while, 
You understand that there's a difference between praise and worship. Praise is giving thanks to God for what he has done. Worship is for who he is. But when I use the word praise this morning, I'm kind of combining them all in one. Praise, thanks, worship, just expression of gratitude and glory uh, unto God is, is what we're using in that expression. Now listen, I believe that God created you for praise. That there is spiritual DNA in you that God put there that you will only come to true wholeness if you learn to be a praising person. God calls you to praise because you were created for praise. Listen, when we, when we call our kids to dinner, and if you don't know, I have a, a seven-year-old Luke, a five-year-old Ella, when I say, Luke and Ella, it's dinner time, I may, I may get some responses sometimes. Dad, can we finish the television show? Dad, the sun is shining. We're outside. Dad, uh, we're not hungry right now. I call them to dinner because they need to eat. I'm not sure they fully realize how important the food is at that age, but I know God calls you to praise because he knows that you need to praise him. We were created to praise him. Praising him unleashes his spirit in us. Praising God leads us to wholeness. Psalm 156 says it well. It says, let everything that has breath, do you have breath today? Then you're a good candidate to praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You are called to praise the Lord. Let's talk about the power of praise for a moment. Praise is powerful. Say it with me. Say, praise is powerful. Say it right out loud. You see, praise helps you to keep your focus off of yourself and on Jesus. Want to get depressed? Just stare at yourself in the mirror for a while. Think about all your faults and shortcomings. Allow the devil to play mind games with you. Worry about everything. Put the focus on yourself. Praise gets the attention off of yourself and on the one who is worthy and on the one who can make a difference. Can you type amen? You see, are you ready for this? Listen, when you praise, you lift up Jesus. When you lift up Jesus, your spirit inside of you is lifted into the heavenly places. And when your spirit is lifted into the heavenly places, you can receive from God the things that you need to lift your whole self up. Paul said it this way in Ephesians chapter 1. He said, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Notice where the blessings come from, from Jesus in the heavenly realm. They are spiritual blessings. Things like hope and grace and peace and love. Things which flow freely from Jesus into your life if, if, if you'll commit to praising him which lifts your spirit into the heavenly realms of which flow the spiritual blessings which you so desperately need. Come on, would you say, that's good, Pastor. I need that, Pastor. Listen, there was a time 
in David's life before he was king. And he was greatly discouraged. You see, before he was king, there was this group of men who were following him along with their families and children. And uh, there was a time when the men were off to battle and the Amalekites came and stole away these men's wives and children, including two of David's own wives. And when the men returned and realized that all their wives had been taken, there was talk of stoning David. So not only was David running for his life from King Saul, but now his own men were talking about killing him. Here's what uh, Samuel said about it. He said, David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. But now catch this. But David found strength in the Lord his God. So the question is, where did David find strength in the Lord his God? Now this verse doesn't particularly tell us, but, but you, should, you could look back on David's life and say, well, where did he find strength in times past? Because that's probably where he would find strength this time. And David found strength, listen, when he praised. You say, well, how do you know that, Pastor? Well, because I've read the book of Psalms. Most of the Psalms are, are, are songs that David wrote, many of them in times of trouble. Here's one of them. How about Psalm 18? The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call to the Lord who's worthy of praise, and I'm saved from my enemies. The cords of death entangled me. The torrents of destruction overwhelmed me. The cords of the grave coiled around me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help. From his temple, he heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ears. What, what did David do in his time of trouble? He praised God. He cried out to God. He got his eyes off his situation, off his problems. Friend, you know what the best thing you can do in a time of trouble? Is go find yourself an empty room, close the door, lift up your hands, and just begin to say, Jesus, you're worthy. I give you praise. It's so powerful. Think about it. Why do we get discouraged? We think about how bad things are. We think about everything that could go wrong, and then we think about it some more. It's like a spiritual spiral down into a pit. I mean, David said it this way. He said, the, the cords of death entangled me. The torrents of destruction confronted me. Friend, that's a bad place when you feel like there's a cord wrapped around your neck, and you're entangled in it and about to be destroyed. That's bad. But David knew the key to lift up his spirit. He knew how to encourage himself in the Lord. And that was that he began to lift up Jesus and to praise him. But you say, Pastor, I'm, I'm feeling down. I don't feel like lifting up Jesus. Praise is not about whether you feel like it. Praise is about whether Jesus is worthy of it. Did you hear that? Let me say it again. Praise is not, do you feel like praising him? The question is, is he worthy of it? And if the answer is, oh yeah, he's worthy of it, then you ought to praise him whether you feel like it or not. Praise is also 
a weapon of warfare. If you've not figured this out yet, you are in a spiritual war. The devil wants to push you down. He wants you to feel depressed, discouraged, worthless, and unusable. He wants you to get caught in some trap of sin. Turn to your neighbor and say, the battle is real. But when you lift up Jesus, listen, the victorious one, it makes the victory real to your life. Praise is a powerful weapon of warfare. Listen, when you, when you choose to live a life of praise, where you are often thanking Jesus, thanking him for who he is, for what he's done, lifting him up in sincerity, you are empowering yourself to walk in victory. Psalm 118.15 says this, Shouts of joy and victory resound in the tents of the righteous. These sounds are not always because you've gained the victory. These sounds are sometimes because you know the victory is coming. The sound of victory comes from the tents of the righteous because they know that victory is on the way because our Lord is the victorious one. Can you say amen? Have you ever watched a football game that was already recorded, in other words, the game was already played, and you're watching it in rerun. Yeah, somebody says that's, that's pretty much all I'm watching now, Pastor, is, is rerun football games, rerun baseball games. But listen, in 2016, the Ravens were down 20 to nothing against the Browns. Now, if you are watching that game live, you are discouraged. You are depressed. But if you already know that the Ravens are going to score the next 25 points and win the game, it totally changes the perspective of how you're going to view that game. When the Browns score a touchdown, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead, score. Doesn't matter. We're coming back. We're coming back. And praise, we praise because we know the end of the game. We know that Jesus wins, that he is worthy. I know the final outcome. And prayer is a powerful, excuse me, praise is a powerful weapon of warfare to bring you to the victory. Come on, somebody. Can I tell you one way to stay eternally minded and make an eternal impact? Be a person who is quick to praise. Be a person who understands that you were created by God to praise him. Be a person who understands that praise will steal the attack of the enemy in your life. Did you hear that? In the New Testament, Paul tells us to be joyful always, to pray continually, to give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. God knows that it's good for you. It's like food. You were created to praise. Will you do it? Let me give you a second thing. If you want to make more of an eternal impact. And that is to pray. Now pray at heart is communion with God. It's, it's time we spend to communicate with him. To enjoy him. To be in, in his presence. But prayer is also the means by which the things of heaven come to earth. Prayer is the means by which the God of heaven intervenes in the affairs of men. 
When Jesus taught his disciples to pray, in essence, teaching all of us to pray, he said, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Notice the two points. He said, when you pray, praise him first. Hallowed be your name is an expression of praise. Holy is your name, glory to you. And then ask God for his kingdom to come, that that, that the things of heaven would come to this earth. I, I recently recorded three of the foundations classes. You can find them on our YouTube site. And if you've recently come to the Lord, I really encourage you to watch all three of those. But in one of those lessons on daily devotions, I advocate using the acronym PRAY for your prayer time, an easy way so that you can have kind of a direction in your prayer time using the, the letters PRAY, each of them standing for something. When you start your prayer time, begin it with praise. When you come before God, before you ask him anything, tell him thanks, bless his name. Listen to your favorite worship song. Secondly, repent. Give time for the Holy Spirit to unearth anything in you that needs to be washed in his precious blood. Then A, ask. Ask what you have needed. And then why yield? Spend some time just opening up and allowing the Lord to speak to you. I use it in my prayer time. I hope you will too. Prayer is so powerful. Matter of fact, prayer is so powerful that the devil will go to great means to keep you from doing it. Think about all the times that you committed to prayer and what happened. The alarm clock didn't go off. You were too sleepy. You started to pray and your mind wandered. You fell asleep. All those things. Because the devil doesn't want you to pray because it's so powerful. Listen, this past Wednesday, we talked about the prayer revival of 1857. If you haven't been joining us on Wednesday nights, please tune in Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock. We've been talking about the mighty revivals that have hit America because we're believing on the other side of this pandemic. God wants to do some things. He's doing them now. I believe during the pandemic, he's uncovering things, helping us get our hearts right so that on the other side, oh, get ready, he can pour out his spirit. Back to the prayer revival of 1857. One man had a burden to start a prayer meeting in New York City. Started out with six men, and it grew to 100 prayer meetings and over 50,000 people attending. What went from something that was going to happen once a week went to every day with thousands in attendance. The format was very simple. The people piled in. This was their, during their lunchtime uh, in New York City. They'd come in at noon. They'd sing a hymn. Someone would read a scripture. Prayer requests would be taken. Some of them were lettered in. Others, people stood up and gave prayer requests. Then people would pray. A five-minute limit was set so that other people would have time to pray. Then at the end, uh, there were a, a final benediction. And the hour had passed and people went back to work. And day after day, people prayed and God began to move. And listen, at the end of that prayer revival, over one million souls had come to Jesus during that time. The equivalent in America today of 10 million people coming to Jesus. Here's what evangelist Charles Finney, who who was alive at the time of this prayer revival, had to say about it. Listen, 
There is such a general confidence in the prevalence of prayer that the people very extensively seem to prefer meeting for prayer to meeting for preaching. The general impression seemed to be, we have had plenty of instructions. It is time for us to pray. Now, this doesn't undermine the power of preaching, but it certainly does lift up the power of praying. Maybe you would say, oh, pastor, during this time, I've, I've heard more sermons than you can imagine. I, I listen to Eastern. I listen to City Beat. That's my son, Jared. I listen to Elevation. I listen to Gateway. And at what point do you say, I, I, I've got enough sermons. It's time to pray. Paul said in Colossians 4.2, devote yourselves to prayer. If you look up the word devote, it means to be constantly diligent in, be constantly diligent in prayer, being watchful and thankful. Well, pastor, you say, I've asked God for things and I haven't seen the answer. It's, it's, it's important that when you ask, you know from the word of God that it's something that God wants you to have. Your, your, your family being saved, you drawing closer to God, people coming to the kingdom, these are all things that we know are God's will. And that you can pray with boldness. But God tells us that we need to stick with it. I must tell you, I don't think any of us understand the spiritual dynamic and the warfare that happens when you ask God to do something. Man, there, a, a war breaks out to keep that answer from coming. And it also involves the will of another person most times. I'm reminded of the, of the persistent widow that Jesus talked about. And she went to the judge, and the judge really didn't care. But because of her persistence, he finally granted her the verdict that she wanted. And then Jesus said this, Will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. Quickly doesn't mean quickly in the time of, of a quick answer. It means when God unleashes that thing, so many things can happen that will bring you into amazement. You know, we have had some amazing times of prayer on our conference call, Prayer Line. One of the things we've really been emphasis during the, emphasizing during this time as believers praying together. And since we really can't come together, we've utilized a prayer call-in line where you can call and join other people on a phone call and prayer and pray. We're, we're getting better at it as time is going on. Uh, we're learning that you can kind of mute out everybody for a moment to announce a prayer request and let everybody back in. You can invite somebody to come in and lead in prayer. We don't have it perfect yet, but we're working at it. And I must tell you, it is a beautiful sound to hear on your phone and listen to a bunch of people crying out to God. Can I ask you today a question? Do we need heaven to touch earth at this time of crisis? If you didn't answer that out loud, I want you to answer it out loud this time. Do we need heaven to touch earth at this time of crisis? A thousand times yes. Jesus told us to pray. Your kingdom come. Lord, let heaven touch this earth. Let the things of heaven be manifest on this earth. 
We've had a 7.30 a.m. Sunday morning prayer meeting for a number of years now. Just really had it in my heart that, that we needed to pray over everything that would be hap- happening on this campus on a Sunday. The 8.30 service, the Sunday school, the 11 o'clock service. We just, we just wanted to cover it all before any of it started. I had always hoped that, man, if we could just get a, a, a maybe 30 people in that room crying out to God, man, and it's not that God wouldn't hear just a few, but there was just something about getting a burden of a group of people who understood the power of this thing. Now, I must tell you, we never hit 30 on a Sunday morning, 7.30 a.m. prayer groom where we were all gathered in one room. I, I don't think we ever hit 15. But you know, when, we, when I started a 9 a.m. call-in prayer time a couple of weeks ago, the first week we had 12. The second week we had 20. The third week we had 30 people calling in and joining us in prayer. Come on, would you, would you join us on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m.? Because I'm convinced if we will cry out during this time, heaven will touch earth and we will see God do such great things. If ever there was a time to pray, it's now. Think about it. Some are saying this coronavirus is going to be around for a long time. Do we really know the business impact that this will have? People are more open to the gospel. It's a great time for heaven to come down and touch the earth. Last Saturday, we were handing out fruit and vegetable boxes here at the church. We, we become part of a, of a kind of an open market. People can come and pick up boxes of food that they purchase online, or some of them have boxes donated. And a woman pulled up in the car, and as she opened her window, she said, Pastor, I've been listening to your broadcast on Sunday morning. She said, oh, I've come a time or two. And I said to her, you know, I believe God is speaking to people and working in people's lives about getting serious with God during this time. You know what she said? She said, I'm one of them. You're going to see me when your church opens up. God's been dealing with me. Come on, praise God. I got, a, I got a message on Messenger last week from a teenager, uh, not a teenager anymore. It was someone who was once a teenager that came here to our youth ministry for quite a number of years, has now moved to another state. She said, Pastor, I was listening to a Wednesday night message you were doing on the end times, and I wanted you to know at the end of that message, I, I got things right with God. I asked Jesus to return, and I, I repented of my sins. Praise God. Come on. Things are already happening. Let's keep praying. Let me give you a couple practical points before we go. Three things, just to, just, to, just to make this practical. All right, number one, let praise music fill your car and home. And again, we're talking about now praising and praying. Let, let praise music fill your car and home. You know, after I gave my life to Jesus, God began to deal with me about the music that I was listening to uh, prior to my salvation. I I began to get rid of of those uh, CDs, or the truth of the matter, they weren't CDs back then, they were 8-tracks. All right, don't smile. Uh, I like my 8-track player in my 1974 Vega. Uh, But anyway, and I began to play Christian music. You know what I found out? Heaven could touch my car as I would lift up Jesus. It was so awesome. Secondly, listen, just some practical points. Have a designated time and place of prayer. Have a designated time. 
It's something important. If, if something's important to you, you put it on your schedule. Put prayer on your schedule. For me, if you want to know how that works in my life, I get up 5 a.m. every morning, except, except maybe Saturdays if I sleep a little. But 5 a.m. I wake up, have a little breakfast, get myself together, and then I spend time with God before my family wakes up. I want to start my day with Jesus. And thirdly, would you join one of our designated prayer times, please? This is when we are having our call-in prayer times right now. Sundays at 9 a.m., as I mentioned. Tuesdays at 7 a.m. And also at 10 a.m. And Thursdays at 7 a.m. Would you, would you join us? Because I am convinced if we will get serious about praising and praying, God is going to respond. Now, before I close... Let me talk to someone who needs to do something before you praise and pray. You need to establish a relationship with God. I mean, why would you give honor to a God you don't even know? What good does it do to talk to a God that you have no relationship with? That's like asking something big of a stranger. The greatest thing that I can praise God for is my salvation. I was lost in sin apart from God until I asked Jesus to come in, until I received him as my Savior and my Lord. Listen to me this morning. Come on. The Bible says this. But to all who believed him and accepted him. That's what you need to do if you don't know him. You need to believe in him and accept him. And here's what he'll do. He gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. You might have heard the expression, born again. You might at some point in your life even made fun of somebody who said they were born again. Can I tell you the experience is real? You know how I know that? Because when I was 18 years old, I cried out to Jesus and his life birthed in me and I became born again. And I believe that can happen to somebody listening right now. Matter of fact, if you are listening and you are feeling the tug of Jesus on your heart right now, I want you to just pray with me right now. Would you do that? Would you open up your heart and just pray this right with me? Say, Jesus... I know that I've sinned. I know that I've messed up. And I need you, Jesus. Right now, I open the door of my heart. Come in, Jesus. Wash me clean. And birth your life inside of me. In Jesus' name. And Lord, I pray for the saints who are listening today. God, I pray that, Father, what the words that I spoke today would not just pass by their ears, but they'd take root in their heart. And people would commit to do two things which can change eternity in a mighty way. Praise more and pray more. Do it.